five years ago, Thanos erased half of the population of the universe. But the people of this planet brought everyone back with the snap of a finger. The sudden return of the population provided the necessary energy for the geekitude to begin. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to Zep. Welcome to episode 225 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. There's something different with the intro of the podcast this morning, so obviously it is a Rob day. How you doing, Rob? I am doing well, Joe. How are you? This is early for you, isn't it? This is very early for me. Um, I, I got up this morning to... I set my alarm, but woke up before my alarm because I'm used to getting up so friggin' early. Um, because after this, I am recording what is not, and I have not done my homework, <laughs> so oh. I have to get but that all figured out. What does that? What does that mean when you're a whatever they call their their DM game master for uh, monster of the week? Yeah, what does that mean in terms of doing your? Is it revisiting all of your notes and? I guess I've I've never done it before, so I don't know how far ahead you have to plot. Um, I have the basic mystery like plotted out, like what monsters are gonna show up for them. Um, and I had that the first day we recorded. Um, and so what prep means for me is kind of going through and listening to the last session, so I can give the players a recap of where they are because we only meet once a month right now and it's been a long time. So they don't remember all the details. Uh, and it's not like cautious optimism where we're, um, publishing so quickly that, you know, they can kind of keep up with, Oh, I forgot we did that in the last, uh, um, you know, I forgot we had done that. Oh, I forgot we have that on our ship. It's a great way to, 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 follow along and get your <laughs> remember what you did 10 sessions ago but um you guys have yeah. been rocking and rolling with cautious optimism I, i'm still catching up on i think i have like an episode and a half to go um because you guys are just pumping those out but i imagine you're still what i'm hearing is still months back right um yes but all the, although we have definitely caught up to ourselves i think when we started publishing every week for cautious optimism we were 20 episodes behind where we were releasing uh, tw 20 episodes ahead of where we were releasing and now i think we're only 12 or 13 because um september and october uh, we've had uh, a lot of trouble getting things on the schedule and we took all of july off because i was traveling right so um so yeah so we're not quite as far as we um as we used to be, but we're getting, we're getting caught up. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to, after this, I will be listening to our last session. It's funny. It's, it's really good to do it that way for me too, because you know, sometimes I'm an extreme introvert and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I don't feel like, I don't feel like peopling right now, but uh, my group is so funny. They're just so ridiculously funny. And so it's like, by the time they hop on, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. Cause sure. Yeah, yeah, because I remember how much fun we had in the previous sessions. So, so yep. Yeah, so that's what I've that's what I've been working. I have been, I'd say, a good. Each episode takes me about an hour per ten minutes of content, and then 
an additional hour to put everything together at the end. Uh-uh. So a lot of my spare time, especially on weeks like this coming week, thank God I've got um, school off all week. But this week, since it's both a what is not week and a cautious optimism week, um, it's a lot of editing. <laughs> you got to, I can't, I can't imagine. Like I went from, from spending that like, you know, twice as much time as recording, editing your show mm-hmm. to, I think editing my show takes me maybe 20 minutes now. Like I just learned how to slop at it. It's one of those, like, unless I know that there's something I have to cut out. Right. Um, I throw in my musical cues. I, I leave breaks in my recording. So I know where to put in my bumps. Um, I, I do my, you know, I do a, um, a noise filter. Um, I, I amplify, I compress, I hard limit, I normalize, and then I just send the thing out the door. Yeah. And, uh, but that's also usually just me talking or me and one other person. And sometimes that other person is sitting next to me. So it comes out of a mixer I have on my laptop so that, uh, I don't have to deal with multiple audio tracks. It all just comes out as one. Yeah, for for uh, yeah for for me, I mean for for Geekitude, I will just cut off the ends and upload. <laughs> like right, but for something like that, I mean, you're but, dealing with pacing, you're dealing with questions, you're dealing with table talk. They talk over each other all the time. Right. Um, I've had we, we we've gotten better as we go through, but there are have been some times where somebody's track will have so much background noise in it. And then, uh, I mean, like you can't get it out with just the the noise reducer. And then, um, uh, the the biggest challenge <laughs> is trying to make sure that you get everything, all the content in, without going. You know, I probably cut out at least fifteen minutes out of every hour of recording time. Just, I mean, just from, just from pauses and ums and ahs and cause I take those all out as many of those as I can. You, you, you have to miss some cause some of them, it's just like after the third attempt of not getting the right combination of sounds <laughs> to make a word again, uh, you're like, okay, I'm just going to leave this one to be. So yeah, it's, it's fun. And I, I get a lot of artistic pleasure out of it, but there was like today I stumbled on welcome to episode 225. That's staying in there. We're going to hear this. You heard the stumble. It's fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to be know spending all that time editing something else. Unless I know I have a lot of verbal fillers. I usually yeah. don't edit those out and I could see them. You know, you, when you're editing, you get to learn what your, uh, the sound wave, I guess looks like on your timeline mm-hmm. of a big, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I see it because it peaks and then it drops down and then it cuts off. And so you keep an eye out for these uh, single verbal fillers with large spaces on either end where you know your brain just clicked off for a second mm-hmm. or, or was trying to catch up to something. And right. then maybe, maybe you cut those out. Maybe. Right. But man, yeah, when I started, it was every verbal filler, like the audio was super tight. And it, it just wasn't worth it in the end because then I started listening to what it sounded like when I didn't go in and cut everything out. But then again, that's one person or two people. I think I've only had three Macs on my show at a time, not five or six people umming and awing over one another. 
<laughs> well, and the other the other part of it is uh, when when you mentioned filler words, all three gems. Because I when I was um, editing Drews for uh, Horse Feather Saga, um, we all have our transition words from a player's comment to what we need to say. So uh, Todd's is always all right, and you can see I like I can tell like two minutes before I get to it what that word is <laughs> like that's a that's a todd all right <laughs> and then um drews was okay but he like extended okay and then so i could see it in the thing and mine is um perfect because they'll say i want to do this perfect and then i give them what the answer. so i cut all those out <laughs> that's i gotta go i feel like for an introvert that sounds like the scariest thing in the world is knowing that somebody else knows all of your verbal tics knows exactly how they speak for better or worse knows which words they say. You know what I mean? It's like somebody Mm -hmm. studying you to me. It's fascinating. I did that um, back in college. I did a lot of television uh, at the the campus television station. I I had my own show. I was on another show and I was Mm -hmm. producing hosting. So I was listening to myself constantly and that's how I started picking out the things that I said all the time. And I still do it now. I catch myself saying, here's the thing or mm-hmm. the thing about that is, or the most important thing. Like I try to, and but I'll say it like five times. So clearly right. I haven't actually ordered them in importance in my head ahead of time. But you, yeah. you are picking up on those things. And just to know that somebody else is listening and you know, it's like on my show, it was any time that I would just ramble off and mention Greg Rucka. I mean, that's when you drink, <laughs> especially during the comic box, is you yes. list those things or for those things. That's interesting. Maybe we should get uh, drinking games for the for the different um, different campaigns on As the Dice Roll. That would be fun. Yeah. I just don't want to, I just want to, we just don't I want can, anybody I to can sick. picture what some of those things are <laughs> in my head right now. Every time uh, Bruce does interpretive dance to communicate something. Take but not just that, but also the way that, and I don't know the name of the, the player. Um, who's the player that plays Bruce? Uh, Drew. Drew. So whenever Drew wants to narrate his character, he says it in a very specific way. And maybe mm-hmm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. leaning in too much on how I, I pay attention to these things. Or they just... they. It, my attention is captured by them because so is Bruce and then whatever it is that Bruce does. Yes. It's very rare that <laughs> he'll say, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Cause that's true. It's very rare that he'll say, well, Bruce does this. So is Bruce does this thing. Like he's preparing you, his voice scoops up because mm-hmm. it's like a setup to a joke because yes. you know, whatever it is, is going to be ridiculous. Yes. It's, so, and, it's, and everybody it's, has those things. Every single player has, something about the way that they respond to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's fun. Bama, Bama is the one who has the least amount of words that I have to cut out. Like when he speaks, he knows exactly what he's going to say. There's mm-hmm. very rarely any ums or ahs. And um, it, like I just know I'm like okay this is a lot of Hank so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get through this real fast because uh, there's there's not going to be a lot he he is very like I don't think I've ever heard a player 
I don't think I've ever heard a person speak so specifically without umming and eyeing. Like, no, he's good. Impressive. And is he is he your most experienced player too? Because I know he has like four other campaigns, so like he's got a lot of tabletop under his belt. Oh yeah, he's definitely my the. I I think he's definitely played the most. I mean, Kelly's played a lot, and I think Ravens played a good amount, but I I think by far he's played the most. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Well, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying listening to everything. Good. And, uh, I'm glad. It makes me happy because, it, you know, again, we, we all know as podcasters, you feel like sometimes you're screaming into the void. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, especially with things that are common, like my show is nothing like my my listenership plummeted when I when I changed formats because it was no longer solely about comics, which is fine. It was just I didn't feel like talking about only comic books every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine it's the same with real play podcasts. Like there's there's a lot out there. So it's I guess, you know, either trying to find an audience if that's what you're going for or just having something that you and the other players can listen to and enjoy later on. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of both for us. I think the big thing is is where what I have noticed about actual plays is that when you catch, it's like it's like catching something on fire. It's somebody will listen to an episode you have that pushes them over the edge that says, "Okay, I have to talk about this with other people, so I need my get, to get my friends to start listening to it. And then all of a sudden, everybody's telling their friends because they all get to that same spot and go, oh, my God, I have to tell my friends and we have to start. So, like, until we get that word of mouth spark, you know, it's just, uh, you know, we, we enjoy the listeners we have and we uh, – we just kind of do our thing and, and and enjoy it for for our purposes, and then if it if it catches, it catches. Yeah, and I think it's definitely you know not seeing feedback doesn't mean people aren't listening. That's a lot of. Is that a double negative? It's not a double negative, but it's a bad way of Makes saying sense. that. Right? <laughs> whatever whatever it is, I follow what you're putting down. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, it's like I'm I've been listening to the Adventure Zone forever, but I don't know if I've ever had a conversation online about it but I really enjoy the show. And I see at conventions, I see a lot of, of cosplay and people will do meetups or they'll do a themed party room. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's cool. That's awesome. Yes. I'm a fan of that thing, but I don't know. I'm also, I guess more used to being a closet geek. So I, I have friends of certain things that I'll, I'll talk a lot about that thing with, but generally, um, yeah, I enjoy things and then mostly keep them to myself mm-hmm. unless it comes up, you know, and somebody says, Oh, adventure zone. Be like, yeah, I like it too. And, all right. And like, that's it. <laughs> have they, so have you listened, I've only listened to the first season because the other seasons kind of had rough starts. Um, have you, do you recommend any of the other uh, campaigns? I like just going through the whole thing. I think my favorite standalone episodes by far are the live ones because you hear the excitement of the audience laughing and applauding at every little thing. Oh yeah. Uh, I, went to, I went to one of those when they had it down at San Diego comic-con. Oh, perfect. It was cool. Yeah, so fun. the first the first uh few live shows include their characters from the the balance arc. Mm-hmm. Um I I'm trying to remember if they've ever done live shows with characters from their other arcs, but then they just do one-offs. You know, like uh one of the more popular ones is called Dadlands where each one of them is a dad, but a different kind of dad. So there's the sports dad, there's the grill dad. There's the road trip dad. Um, and it's incredibly stupid. 
And in that very, which, cause I think the thing they're looking for is the remote is oh, like the great funny. challenge. And they have to get it from like the science dad who is like the tinkerer. That's just like, yeah, it's all, it's all stereotypical dad stuff. Um, and I think there's one where every single one of them is a Dracula or every single one of them is Sherlock Holmes or something weird like that. I don't know. There, there's, there's a lot of stupidity, but I, I've listened to it all. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, because Amnesty is their monster of the week. Mm-hmm. And so since you're running a monster of the week campaign, it might be fun for you to listen to and kind of see how they handle uh, that system because they always kind of homebrew it a little bit for right for their purposes. And then the next one was Graduation which started off trying to be kind of a Harry Potter-ish school for heroes and villains thing and then spun out into something entirely different and did take quite a while to get its legs under it, but then started doing some really fun things. And then this new one, um, the, uh, uh, oh, what's it? Um, it begins with an E. Yeah. I just saw it the other day. I saw the, well, Ether C is the name of the, of the thing. I'm just, I, it's early and I'm forgetting the name of, of all of the McElroy brothers. Um, but the one that people are used to, the one that was the DM for balance returns and is the, the DM for this one again. And they start off with a game called the lost year or something like that, or the lost century where you know, maybe the lost century was a balance arc. In any case, they play a game before the game where they all build the world together. Oh, that's cool which is an interesting idea is everybody gets to like pick a thing they want to add into this world and they build a big world map as they slowly move towards this cataclysmic event that launches the story. And it's been entertaining so far. I don't know. Mostly I listen because you like the personalities and you like just hearing the people play and riff off one another more so than the, the stories themselves balance, I think will always be the favorite and the strongest because it was the first. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that that's definitely like, I mean, I, re- I just told somebody the other day, I said, you have to listen to Adventure Zone at least the first season. I said, because, oh, it was Kelly, because Kelly had never listened to it. And she came out and visited us uh, last weekend. And um, she said, she said, oh, I, I've heard of it, but I haven't enjoyed it. I'm like, you have to get through the first five episodes because literally they take it so seriously that one of their characters' names yeah. is Taco. Like, that's how seriously they take it. Right. And the famous and, and- Barry Blue Jeans that for some reason became a cult favorite character because he had the word Blue Jeans in his name. Exactly. And, and so, and so that it goes from, I said, I, it goes from this character being named Taco to me driving myself to iPoly in tears over a space jellyfish. Like <laughs> it's the weirdest, amazing. It's an amazing show. It's an amazing right. Show. There are a lot of void fish tattoos and a lot of balance. Void tattoos. fish. Yes, yes, yes. Void. I couldn't remember what it was called, but yes, I, I may space go back jellyfish. and listen to balance. <laughs> it's long. And then the comics are fairly entertaining as well. Yeah. I have not read the comics. I, I think I own one of them, but I do not. I have not read them. They're, they're entertaining for what it, I mean, a lot of it is like, oh yeah, I remember that in, in the audio version and that was fun. But then they have mm-hmm. the, the brother pops up in a little like narrator corner nice. and argues with them as the characters. That's excellent. So it's, yeah, there's, there's entertaining stuff there. Awesome. 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 Uh, what have you been up to, sir? So yes, weekly geekery. I should probably do a short version of that since, 
we've been prattling on for 20 minutes now. Let me scroll down and, and see what I actually typed out for you of what I've specifically done. The big thing, obviously, for me uh, is I'm a Ghostbuster. I'm I part of the cosplay community here in Minnesota, and I'm one of the founders of this uh, Ghostbusters cosplay group that kind of spun out of a, a separate group um, in order to do more charity work and that sort of thing. I work with a, a nonprofit called Customers for a Cause, that uh, mm-hmm. up until last month, I was on the board and in charge of marketing and all. Uh, I'm stepping away from all of this stuff because I'm I'm having a kid in January. And so I'm handing off all my responsibilities ahead of time. So I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, uh, but, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but the new Ghostbusters movie came out. And so we exploded in numbers from like four of us to over 30 of us. And um, as people are like, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I, you know, because they're Mm -hmm. getting ready and seeing all the promos and wanting to build costumes and cosplayers are like that. Like they're not the, oh, I just do this one character. No, they're like, especially Star Wars people, Star Wars people, almost all of them have multiple costumes and not just Star Wars. It's just, if you're in a Star Wars group, chances are you have a lot of costumes, be it in Star Wars. So we had a lot of Star Wars people join us. Um, and, and ask us how to put their costumes together and figure out their proton packs. And so we did movie premiere events. Uh, we talked to local theaters. They advertise that we're coming on Facebook. They'll give us a spot in their lobby or wherever. And um, we'll get a free ticket in the movie and maybe some free popcorn or something. And then we take photos with guests. And so we did, um, there was actually one today. Wait, what's today? Sunday? I don't remember if there was one today. There was one yesterday and I didn't do that, but I did um, Wednesday. We just went to one because there was a preview screening. And then Thursday, Friday, I did events. There was enough of us to split up and do multiple theaters at the same time. And then Friday, we went to the Mall of America. So there's a movie theater in the Mall of America way up on the fourth floor. And we had about 30 of us there packed into this not sizable lobby. It's a pretty small lobby. (laughs) So most of the space is taken up by the theaters, not the lobby. Um, So walking through the mall was a lot of fun. Um, Several of us have the ability to play music from our proton packs. So we're blasting music and sticking our heads into restaurants and bothering people. Um, (laughs) It's only when they notice you, if somebody looks out and points you out, then you go and you, you know, come up and do we're, we're not jerks about it right, right right and then uh that was a lot of fun and then when the movie was done the mall was pretty much closed down and so we snuck into i still call it camp snoopy it's now nickelodeon universe uh because it okay. switched all the branding and stuff but the theme park the amusement park inside of the mall of america uh has a ride called ghost blasters and so we went in there it was all roped off and closed off and you weren't supposed to go in but the cleaning guy was driving the cleaning thing around, saw us, waved, came, took a picture with us. Being a Ghostbuster lets you get away with a lot of stuff. So <laughs> we, we went into several areas to take pictures we weren't supposed to be. Uh, and that normally, if you were just a person wandering around, they'd come yell at you and escort you out. But right. because there was, a, you know, at that point, about 20 of us, um, they were okay with it. So th- I guess that was probably the biggest thing that I've done. So I can probably just... Leave it at that. I know we're not going to talk about it. As as a Ghostbuster fan, I enjoyed it. I think if you've never seen the original Ghostbusters film, your mileage may vary. It's very much a meant to be a nostalgia plug and sequel in that sense to the the original. Yeah, I think one of my well, several of the things that you're 
uh, talking about today, I am planning on on working on this week. Um, so I definitely want to go back and at least watch the original, but I may go back and watch all the Ghostbuster movies before I go see it. The and first then, one is the most important. Yes, absolutely. Like the, and I haven't seen that forever, and I'm really, really excited that I'm going to watch it. Yeah, but you can you can easily go from the first movie to Ghostbusters Afterlife. You do not need a whole lot from Ghostbusters to um in order to enjoy this film. Like almost all of the little things and references and callbacks and nostalgia and emotion is tied to the original. Excellent. And then um, I see that you have uh, Lock, Lock and Key Season 2. And on your recommendation, I haven't downloaded it yet, but I plan on spending some of my evenings reading um, Lock and Key because I think that'll be uh, a good thing to get some of my uh, geekiness I think care of. <laughs> right. I think you're going to love the, the, the comic book. You kind of have to get over the initial hump of the initial um, bad things that happened to the family because there's a bit of um, not – directly on panel, but there's sexual violence involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once you get over that uh, initial thing, because that for me was a thing that I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this then because I just, that's not a thing I like to read in my comic books. Um, But when you get to the rest of it, it's very much this, you know, it's, it's a dark fairy tale. Um, the basis for people that aren't aware, I know it's been uh, spoken about a bit on yours. The short version is a group of kids move into a giant house full of magical keys that only they know how to use, or they learn to use. And each key does something different. And so they, that's it. That's the story. And then bad things happen. They find out where the keys come from. And there's a bad guy that's also trying to get the keys. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it very much feels almost like an eighties cartoon in premise. Like here's the kids and here's the magic they can do. And the bad guys trying to get it away from them. <laughs> but I'm okay with that because that's, that's where my nostalgia lies is in all those eighties cartoons that right. you should never, I can just tell you right now, don't, don't go back and watch them. No, don't, just good. let them, let them live in your nostalgia forever. Because when you go back, you're going to be sadly disappointed. <laughs> I've tried like three or four times to get through the first episode of the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I can't. It's just my bad. thing was, my thing was Transformers. I oh, went back yeah. to listen to, and I was just like, oh, there's so much like, there, there's so much nothing here. <laughs> like, it's like they, they just- started putting out episodes on VHS tapes. I think when I was in high school in the early two thousands. And so I was going back and watching some of them and you're just like, Oh, the two things you notice is a, they spent all their money on the intro. Uh, mm-hmm. Like all eighties cartoons did the intro mm-hmm. made the show look amazing. And then the animation is like a third, the amount of frames. And the other thing is you realize Every single episode, the bad guy almost wins, which means they could literally repeat the same plan and probably win. Or if they did more than one of their plans that almost won at the same time, they would easily defeat the the good guys. Yeah. And and then I remember when I was in high school, they just started, it was maybe high school, early college, and I'd have it on the background because I love cartoons. So I like, it was never a problem uh, to have just, cartoons just in the background of whatever I was doing. And they had, I guess computer animation had just started becoming big. And so if you were watching the live version of live, the the repeat, but on live television of uh, 
of uh, Transformers, they added all of these ridiculous, unnecessary, annoying transitions between scenes where it's like the whole scene would like start shifting and, and doing the transformer sound, but it was literally every time it went from one scene to another. So it's like every four, every minute or two, it was like, I was like, Oh my God, stop. There was something like that where they called it like, yeah, it was because they, this one, they started advertising it as gen one and they called it like the box or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm, there was like mm-hmm. a hand that went up and like pulled a lever and then it did like a weird transition versus what we were used to, which was the Autobot or Decepticon symbol flipping to one or the other in between, depending on where they were going in the next scene. Yeah. And it was just one little, it was just like, it was literally a two or three second thing mm-hmm. where this became like, it felt like it got longer and longer. <laughs> I'm like, why are you doing this to this poor no. too? <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes best to leave it or you do what like Disney is doing and you, somehow do a sequel animated series to the nineties X-Men cartoon. I'm actually very excited about that. I think that's going to be fun. Cause I really, when was the, the last X-Men time cartoon? you watched the last season of the animated X-Men cartoon? I don't the last- think I've the last season's terrible because they changed animation studios yes, they and they were and losing their the budget. Yeah. They, yeah. They were losing their budget. It was awful. It was terrible. And so that's the thing. Like, People are like, oh, it's continuation. Be like, mm, if it was a continuation, it would look like that, and it would be awful. Yeah, so there, it's a it's we'll a, a relaunch. <laughs> yes, we'll it's see. a relaunch that starts at the same part part that we ended, and hopefully, it will just kind of ignore that last season a little bit. Right. <laughs> How about you? What have you been up to this week? Very little. <laughs> Very little. I have I have just survived um, the week before break. Just barely, like all of us. If you are listening to this, if you if you have teachers in your life, go give them a hug, and then let them like like whatever whatever their form of of comfort downtime is, let them do it, and 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 don't bug them, <laughs> because we're all tired, because the 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 world is is insane right now, like for a year and a half. Children did not have any, especially high school kids, had nobody watching what they were doing. And so now that they're back, they have no idea how to be students. They have no idea how to listen to authority. They have no idea how to um, how to be a student. It's bad. It's so bad. And so all of the teachers are just like three more days, two more days, six hours. Like we like we are we are all so tired. <laughs> This makes me more excited for you to go see Afterlife um, because Paul, and this isn't a spoiler at all for the film, Paul Rudd's character, which you can kind of tell from the trailers, is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, he's a summer school teacher. Mm. I think I think you'll appreciate uh, how he decides to teach his summer school class. I, I think it'll, um, it'll click for you. I, I'm excited. I love Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's awesome. Yes, everybody. Um, and it's. You know what? No, I can't say it. It's a, it's a, it's a spoiler conversation. But okay. I, okay. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious with, with feeling so wiped out with teaching and stuff, because I remember how hard it was for you to teach over like zoom, mm-hmm. something like theater. And now you are teaching it, but now the kids, you know, don't want to pay attention or jump, you know, you can't get them to sit still. So I, I have to ask at this point, if you had the option and you came back from break and finished out the, 
the semester online, would you do it? Oh, in a hot second. <laughs> in a hot second, because it's the it's the it's the classroom management that's so bad right now. Uh, okay. There are some schools on like, and again, it's not my school. Like my school gets a bad rap because we're in a bad area and and a very poor population. But uh, there are schools all over this nation that are going back to online learning because they they can't they can't control the kids. Hmm. And it's 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 amazing what a year and a half of not having any structure does to a developing kid. It's act, like I'm sure there will be scientific studies done on this for decades. I would be, yeah, I'd be super interested in hearing because I was that kid. I was that undiagnosed ADHD kid who could not sit still in class. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost wonder because in the end, the goal isn't necessarily for the teachers to have an easier time. It's the what is the best way to to get these children to learn exactly. the material, and so it becomes that question of do they learn better when it's unstructured or feels unstructured and they're at home and uncontrolled and there's a laptop in the room talking at them and they can decide how much to pay attention or is it better for them to learn in an environment where clearly they just need to get up and move? Yeah. Um, The the answer is no, it does not like (laughs) it is not effective to teach them online over computer. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's, it's just been like, it's just been a rough transition. And I think it's been a rough transition for me specifically because I did start a new job in the middle of the pandemic. So I don't have the, the history or capital built up from pre pandemic with these kids. So it's a lot of them testing to see, you know, where, where my breaking points are (laughs) and they don't know that they have reached them, but they have definitely on several occasions hit the breaking points. And I have, pulled my acting uh, background in and played it off and then gone home and just taken a nap. Fair enough. Yeah. I so, so yeah, not imagine, been- not a teacher. So I'd, good on you. And, uh, you know, we will, we will continue to send good vibes your way as you continue to struggle through not, you know, wanting to smack your students <laughs> or whatever that emotion may be. That is a that is a perfect description of how I have felt, and the only thing that I think has has kept me from doing that is morals. Um, my my <laughs> and morals and the fact that I would lose, <laughs> right? <laughs> because yeah. my my students are teenagers. That many of them play very big sports, and the only way I would get the advantage would be to sit on them. And that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> I was say, yeah, it's the only time in your life you wish you were a nun. <laughs> yes, where you could just stare them down and him with a ruler. Yes, uh, I, I, I've heard, I'm, sh- I know I've said it on this show before, but I, I've said it to my students this week. I'm like, you know, a lot of these worlds' uh, problems would be solved if I could just squirt you with a squirt bottle and smack you with a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. A couple kids will always agree with that and go, "That's actually a really good idea." Oh yeah, yeah. But I have to sign something at the beginning of the year that says I won't do that. So now, oh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but the one 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 happy thing was is I did go back to my my old school uh, at, on Friday and went and watched their their latest live production. We just got permission this last week to start looking into live productions again. But this the school 
you know, we're different districts. So they, they were, my old school got permission to do, uh, do a live show. And so they did, you can't take it with you. Mm-hmm. And I had read it back in the day, but I had not seen it. They did a wonderful job with it. It was very, very fun. And it was good to see some old teachers that I worked with and to see a bunch of kids that I knew when they were freshmen or yeah, freshmen and sophomores. And now they're juniors and seniors. And, uh, and so that was, that was a lot of fun. It was nice to go back and, and visit. Although <laughs> it reminds me that I do not miss my four hour commute every day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, that's good. That's refreshing. Yeah, it was good. It was a good reset. Right on. All right. Well, we're going to jump off and do a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back. We said we were going to wait for Ray, but at this point, I think Ray has been kidnapped by Celestials and <laughs> is being put on trial somewhere. So uh, when when he does rejoin the living, we will have his all his thoughts, and we'll probably integrate it into the the weekly geekery before, I'm guessing, before Spider-Man. But uh, I, we didn't want it to go on for too long, and and Rob and I wanted to talk about Eternals, so that's what we're going to do. <laughs> we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community all dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time, and we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. And we're back, and we are talking Eternals. And Rob, I feel like at some point you and I, with Ray, talked about Eternals at some point. Like maybe yeah. we did a weekly geekery before, uh, uh, or when we were talking about Marvel in general. So you you have you have a little bit more experience, I think, with Eternals than I do from the comic. Yeah, I I have kind of a passing knowledge. I'm a big fan of the the Marvel sort of cosmic side, or rather the cosmic side of Marvel, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which a lot of us just call Marvel cosmic. And Mm -hmm. so when we knew Eternals was coming, I think is when we had that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was Ray that suggested it, but there's a Neil Gaiman run of the Eternals comic book. And it was sort of assumed that if they were going to do anything that was a direct adaptation, it would be that storyline because Mm -hmm. it specifically does a thing where like, uh, all the Eternals have forgotten who they are. So it's very much that getting the band, which this movie was, was getting the band back together kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But in, in the other version, they don't know that they're Eternals. And so, you know, slowly the team builds as they come to people and find ways to get them to realize who they are, what they are and what that means. 
Right. That is so not I the direction they went. <laughs> it is not. No, they, they certainly did a getting the band back together thing. Right. Um, but it's, and it's the same way with the comic book. It's just a really, really big cast. Mm-hmm. And so I think that think was that their. Worked, did you think that worked for this movie or do you think it was a hindrance? I think it was a hindrance, but I don't know how else they would have done it. Um, the, cause I suppose the best thing is to talk general before we go crazy spoiler on it. Right. Right. Um, and I did this a little bit on my own show and it was basically, they tried to make Lord of the Rings, but the problem is Lord of the Rings needed three movies and all three of those movies are crazy long. Mm-hmm. And so what they were trying to do here is make a big Epic, which I really appreciate. Like, I think that's cool. I think what they wanted to do is awesome but every single person seems to believe that it should have been a Disney plus show instead in order to give it room to breathe and get us to know and care about the characters before they're put in dangerous situations. Right. Right. Do you think, and okay, this is, I'm, we're ju- I'm going to dive right into spoilers. Ah, screw uh, it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> just because I have questions and you guys know, like if you've listened to us at any length, you know what these episodes are. Um, sure. So, do you think the fact that they didn't worry about building up the 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 stakes of these characters, our emotional attachment to these characters, because they're all coming back? Do you think we're gonna? Do we think we're gonna do the eternal? You know, that's why they're called Eternals because they they just get reborn. So, like, we'll see Gilgamesh, and we'll see. Um, Ajax and we'll see we'll just see them all again so it's like you know it's more here's the story so you understand what's going on than trying to tug on these emotional falsely on these emotional heartstrings that we're just gonna replenish later if that's their plan it's a bad plan because what they do instead is make you not care about the characters so with them saying hey Richard Madden is coming back as Icarus and you're like but he flew into the sun in the last one they're like yep but they're eternals which means they get reborn oh I mean I guess it's like but you didn't make me care about him before you killed him last time now again Gilgamesh probably different because that mm-hmm. they had characters that were certainly stand out that they wanted to do the Marvel thing to which mm-hmm. is look how charming they are don't you like them Right. Um, which is the way Marvel writes its protagonists is everybody's just a little quippy. Everybody's just a little fun. Um, and then everybody gets a sidekick in this, in this film, it was Karun, you know, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. Um, Kumail Nanjani's character, Kingo, which again, if I had said Kingo, would you have actually known who I was talking about? No, he wasn't even one of the Eternals that I knew. Yeah. But he's like one of the main Eternals. Yeah, because because that's Kumail Nanjani, like who is one of the the main guy. But like, you know, if I said like, hey, what was the name of the Eternal that could control people's minds? Off the top of your head. It was, well, it's a Druig. <laughs> I knew because I was like, oh, that's probably a derivative because they're all the names are derivative of something. And yes. so a Druig, I'm, I'm assuming is a derivative of Druid. OK, but it's one of those in, in my head. It's a lot of that, like, are you going to remember the, all the different characters' names? Because they don't say them a whole lot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in the movie. Like, the the dude that can create, like, machines, his character's name is Fastos. I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, Fastos is my favorite character. Because I think they say his name twice. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and it's all heavily accented because a lot of it is <laughs> a lot of it right. is which um, I did appreciate. What's her face? Uh, Selma Hayek, and right. you're like, okay, is it? For a while, I was like, well, it's a builder character. Is it Hephaestos or is it just Festos or what? What is this character's name? Right, but yes, it's true. All of them are, you know, references of some sort to uh, existing mythology, um, or pantheons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. with twists, yeah, in the names. Yeah, what did you what did you think broadly? Like, did you walk out of seeing it or watching it at home, how, however? But did you end the film being like, I like that. I look forward to seeing more of these characters. Or were you in the boat of like the main thing I'm thinking about after seeing this film is just what it means and what comes next for Marvel as a whole. And this was I a stepping stone. I didn't feel like this was connected enough to make me want to go, oh, what's next? Although the the stingers were my favorite part of the movie. I, well, I assumed it would be because you're a big fan of the Black Knight, aren't you? Because that's Avengers West Coast, isn't it? I love I love the Black Knight, but I also like when I saw Pip the Troll. Yeah. I was like, okay, now we're going weird. And then he heralds Star Fox. And it's like, oh my god, how deep into this thing are you going? Because I mean, Star Fox, I think, was on West Coast Avengers. He's okay. definitely an Avenger. Yes. Um, but I think he's a West Coast Avenger. I'm like, okay, so we are basically like we are we have gone full West Coast at this point. You've got Gilgamesh, you've got Circe, you've got uh, the Black Knight. Like you're full on going into the bowels of your you're archives. Basically, you're missing Wonder Man and Tigra. Yeah, and that's all you're that, missing. You either have them or you're getting them. Right. It's yeah. it's phenomenal to me because I I enjoyed it. It was it was like this scrappy team that had a little bit more personal adventures because they were the they were the B team, mm-hmm. and and so I enjoyed that and. And plus, it was led by Hawkeye, who is still, in spite of a lot of people making fun of him, <laughs> is still one of my favorite characters. Because which awesome. I was going to say when you were saying awesome. before the before the break, or you were talking about how you and and Ray were going to be talking Spider Man. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, you get Hawkeye this week. That's right. That's right. I don't know. We are we are in such. So I think next week is probably. I've got to got to connect with Brian and see if he's actually been able to watch Ghostbusters yet because he was doing a uh, Ghostbusters. Um, event as well because he also does um, some Ghostbuster cosplay. Oh, um, perfect. Yeah. So I so I think if we, I think next week is going to be Ghostbusters, and then I think the following week um, is that going to be Spider Man? Like when does Spider Man come out? Yeah, you're going to have to type that one in. It's December, but I would think Christmas. Um, I want to say it's actually a little bit earlier though. Is it, oh. it very well could be? I it's not the seventeenth. Okay, it's yeah. yeah. So since I'm, I'm since I'm done cosplaying at at movie premieres for a while, I I haven't been paying attention. Yeah, so I think um, I think we'll go Ghostbusters, and then you're right, probably Hawkeye, and hopefully we'll have a Ray back by that point, and then we'll do um, and then we'll do Spider Man. I think that's how the next several episodes will be running. You're never going to not be doing Marvel. You just you won't have a chance to get away. I'm okay with that though because I um I was thinking about this. I was talking to Kelly when she was out here visiting and how it is a lot of work to find 
people to be on the show if I don't know them. Like when I first started, it was all very interviewing. It was just like, whoever I can get on my show, I'm going to have on my show. It's going to be great. Yeah. But that's, it's a lot of work and I've been burned so many times with people flaking last minute. That's part of the reason why I got Ray as a co-host because I was like, if they flake, I can at least talk to Ray, you know, at least I can still put out content. But I also feel like I've covered everything that I enjoy already. (laughs) It's like, I don't have like, there's not some big fandom out there that I am like dying to talk about with somebody that I haven't covered yet. And right now my biggest thing is other than, than role-playing, which last week I talked to Todd about role-playing is Marvel. Like I still love anytime something Marvel comes up, it just makes me happy. And so, you know, if for a while we are a Marvel podcast, I'm okay with that. Yeah. No, awesome. Um, sorry, that was a total side tangent thing. That's all right. That's, that's e- part e- of the fun. Right. But so Eternals, right? We, we have a big sweeping plot. It's literally over the course of millennia. It's a lot of flashbacks. It's a lot of back and forth and back and forth, which they use to have the reveal because mm-hmm. the, re- the reveal of Icarus being not a traitor, but just like super loyal to Erishem. Um, which I wish they had done a better job with the Celestials as a host, um, because the word itself host is a huge deal to the, in, uh, not inhumans to the Eternals and to, um, the Celestials in general. But anyway, um, did you like them jumping back and forth? Like, I felt like they did it as much as they did in order to make you feel like the plot was moving forward while they continued to fill you full of so much exposition and then also so that them doing a flashback to see Icarus kill Ajax um, came as more of a surprise versus if they had shown you that flashback in a movie that was not already full of flashbacks, you'd be like, oh, we're go- we know exactly what we're about to see right now kind of thing. Like, right. did, that, yeah, I, did, that, did that format work for you? It, I, it didn't because I didn't feel like the the flashbacks were all that essential to the story. Like they weren't giving me the... They were giving me character motivation, but I feel like it's character motivation that could have been described or explained some other way. Like, I think it was cool to see how they had all these places in history and how, you know, their influence had been so widespread. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that could have been done in a montage at the beginning and then let us stay with the current plot that we're having now. I, I agree. I think it would, especially for the current Marvel audience, I think it makes more sense for them to just stay in the modern era mm-hmm. and then they can tell us about it or do very small glimpse. Kind of like the old guard. Did you see the old guard on, on Netflix? No. Okay. Also based on a comic book by Greg Rucka. Drink if you're one of my listeners. <laughs> uh, it's a decent movie. Uh, based on an interesting comic, which is, again, sort of immortal warriors who, for whatever reason, can't die until they do. And you never know when your last life will actually be. Otherwise... Oh, you know what? I did see this, where they they're, the whole thing is is that they found a new a new one. Yes. And they're initiating... Yes, I did watch that. It and you great. get little tiny glimpses. And it's the same in the comics, where you, know, you get a glimpse into the past. And then there's like a whole separate comic series that's just short stories about them through the ages. And that I think is the right way to do a series about or a movie about an immortal, you know, or that mm-hmm. story is tell me the story now in modern time. It's the same thing with Buffy, 
right? With Buffy, uh, you get small glimpses every once in a while of previous Slayers. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to spend half a season just doing that story. If they did it, it would be a spinoff, which is what they did. They put out books called Tales of the Slayers, which were short stories by the TV series writers um, about previous uh, vampire slayers throughout history. Right. right. And it, it felt like you can give me the weight through your acting and your storytelling that this is an incredibly old person uh, without having to show me all of it and show me the exact same conflicts. Like Druig's whole thing of wanting to control humanity uh, to end warfare. Love that. I think that's mm-hmm, great. Mm-hmm. I think we could have just encountered him for the first time, basically running this cult commune thing. And he could say like, I tried to do this when the Nazis showed up, but you wouldn't let me done. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I completely agree with that formula. And I think, I think they tried to do too much because they had, they had so many story plots going so many personalities. Yeah. Um, the, the whole Fena losing her mind stuff was, was just too much for me. Like I, like I didn't care. Like I was like, she's, she's flipping out for no reason. Like I did like there's you, you, you're not showing me the trigger. You're not showing me the, the, the payoff or the reason why we're seeing this. And I, I get that the whole thing was, is that she, her memories didn't get completely wiped. And so that's why she was struggling so much. But Again, as you said, it's not something that was so essential to the plot that was going to make you like if you took that out, it wasn't going to ruin the movie. Right. Yeah. And it is it is a part of their comic book origins. Uh, It's called the Mod Weary or something like that. Also just called Eternal Madness. Mm -hmm. That idea of you still have a human mind in this extremely long lived body, so you can't handle it, which is kind of typical for immortality stories as well is some people just lose their mind because they just, they can't handle being alive that long um, because, you know, the human mind isn't meant to last for centuries or millennia. I I mentioned this on the last episode, but um, there is a solo RPG journaling game out there called thousand year old vampire Mm -hmm. where you basically decide where in history your vampire starts and you're allowed so many memories and you're allowed like so many skills and so many um, contacts. And the, that's your, that's your, those are your resources and you roll a dice. It gives you a prompt. And then that prompt, you know, you have to just, you have to journal what happened. And, um, and then often you either gain or lose a skill or you gain or lose a contact but you can only have a set number of memories and you can have, I think two journals that you can move those memories into, but eventually you have to start making decisions as to what memories you're going to keep because your brain just can't simply, simply can't handle that many years of memories. Like you're just not going to be able to remember everything. That was, that was the tact I was hoping the movie might take with um, the black widow movie would take with taskmaster. There's a, a comic series all about the character and the idea that in order to retain new abilities, he has to forget something else because his brain can only handle so much. And so like in the story, he, I think, forgets the name of his child in order to um, 
learn the new skill he needs to pull off this specific job or or whatever it is. And they actually make him kind of sympathetic in that way. People fun. don't realize how good of a, a character Taskmaster Master is. I was a little disappointed with their Can rendition be, yeah. of him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and we continue going. Let's let's pull it back. Let's pull it back. Was there was there a character in was there a character in the Eternals that you were drawn to? Was there a certain person that you're like, I want to see more of them? Because we know the Eternals will return, right? As they mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. at the ending there. But was there something in this where you want to see more of it later? See, most of it was just based on the actors. Like I I love Gemma Chan. I was so disappointed when she was. Um, the character in uh, Captain Marvel, because I was like, oh, they just they just wasted Gemma Chan. She's such a good actress, and now they're not going to. But but luckily, she was blue in that movie, so <laughs> they could make her a different character. We talked about uh, that on the Geekitude Slack. It's not a thing you can do with most actors, though. So you wonder if no. part of that is the Americans can't tell Asian people apart stereotype where you can have the exact same actress in multiple roles. Cause like if it were Brad Pitt or even Kit Harrington, right? You couldn't have Kit Harrington as two totally different characters. It'd be like, Oh, that's Kit Harrington. So what they're a scroll, you know, or something. Right. Like, do that, which is a shame. It is, it is. But I, but for this particular, I'm glad, I'm glad that it happened because I absolutely love her. I love her since I saw her in humans. Um, our, our, our Roomba is made named Mia after her character in, uh, in humans. And if you had uh, to pick a, a main character in this movie, it would it would be Cersei. Yeah, Cersei's and she's and she's the one most likely to go on and be part of the main Avengers because she was for a very, very long time. Right. And she's a yeah. great character. But uh so I loved watching her and I wanted to see what she would do. And then I had just finished watching we did our, our zombie watch with Katie. And the last movie that we watched was Train to Busan, mm-hmm. which has Don Lee in it. And I loved him in that. And when I found out, like, I looked up, <laughs> what else is this man in? And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to be Gilgamesh in Eternal. Yeah, I heard that. And I'm, I'm curious, was your excitement rewarded? No, because they, the spoiler, no, because they killed him off. <laughs> <laughs> I felt kind of bad about that. I knew that was, ha- I had seen Eternals before I heard that episode of, uh, of, of geekitude and i was like oh no joe i can't say anything to you but i want to know if you were still excited to see what you got i, I was i thought he did a, i thought he did a great job i love the character because again gilgamesh third tier avenger and like what do you do with that character well if you cast don lee like you don't need to do anything with the character he was so much fun well um, let me let me ask you this then because you have a more deep cuts avengers knowledge than i do I feel like much like Guardians of the Galaxy, this was a situation where they could have done literally whatever they wanted to with these characters, which they kind of did mm-hmm. in terms of their power set specifically and that kind of thing. Um, and with the characterization of most of them where they don't have to be like the comic book if they don't want them to be. Was this the Gilgamesh and the Cersei you wanted to see? Like, did it remind you of them in the comics or was it just, oh, they have a character that's named the same thing? I liked, I liked their take on them because Gilgamesh is really a nothing character. He like, you've got, you've got Thor, you've got Hercules and then you've got Gilgamesh. Like when you've got Thor and Hercules taking all the air in the room, Gilgamesh doesn't have much personality on top of that. You know, he, he got thrown in as a, as a foil 
for those kind of characters. And then, you know, as many foils do in the Marvel universe became an Avenger. So did he have this kind of personality though? Like he feels like a Hercules type character in this movie. Yes. Like he's there to have fun and drink, you know, food, drink, whatever. And from what I remember in the comics, he's kind of a, he's a wish version of that. He is, he is the character that is supposed to fill that role, but doesn't because he's just not interesting. Okay. And so I think, I think that he is definitely somebody who has been enhanced by the, the characterization that they're giving him in the movie. And, and that's why I hope that they bring these characters back. Um, But Cersei is very different, and I think it's okay because I don't think we needed the Cersei in the comics. The Cersei in the comics is based on the character from the um, the Odyssey that you know turns Odysseus's people into pigs, right. and it's all about transforming things. So they kind of kept that power, but um, she's a lot more seductress at the beginning of it. And in the Eternals comic, she's like the strung out pop star, starlet personality character. And I kind of like that they went a completely different direction with her because I think I don't want to see messy Cersei. I want to see, you know, heroic Cersei, which she does when she gets into... I think a lot of people tried to do a lot of different things with Cersei before she connected with Dane Whitman. And then when they got those characters together, it's like God is falling in love with tortured soul. Right. And it made for a very good pairing because she's like infinitely more powerful than he is. And he is constantly like in awe of what she can do but yet their relationship doesn't feel uneven. And so it like I I am I am excited about the potential of that relationship. I was disappointed we didn't see more of Dane Whitman because I feel like he was our entry character to this world. And then, yeah, and then I, I think throw him to the side because there's exactly. too many other characters. Well, and and I think that is their biggest mistake in this movie is that you need you need the Jubilee and the X Men. You can't just use Jubilee to introduce the X Men and then throw out Jubilee. Like you need to have I think that- having it. I think having it and getting rid of it was the mistake rather than, I think they could have gone without. Right. Uh, I mean, because you have, you gain entry into, again, I'm going to keep using Lord of the Rings because it's kind of what it, it feels like here in terms of a, a big epic story. You gain entry into that world, I guess, sort of through Frodo, but Frodo himself is already not human. Mm-hmm. You know, they just try to, they make him younger than he is in the books in order to make him seem more relatable and him being surprised by everything he sees. But you, I don't know, maybe you could have done that with somebody else. I, don't, I think, I don't know. I, I, I think the, the big screw up for me, the thing that I love the most about the Eternals and that idea is I like the Celestials and I like mm-hmm. what the Celestials are. They're these massive, you know, bigger than anything you can imagine type of creatures and humanity literally means nothing to them. Like the fact that we don't matter and dealing with that existential crisis that you get from that, because even Thanos kind of cared, you know, like he's this Mm -hmm, giant mm -hmm. intergalactic 
you know, power that wants to wipe out half of all life in the universe, but he cares about that life is where they, is what they used in the films as his Mm -hmm. uh, reason for doing it versus here, you know, it's the idea of, no, we don't matter. This is bigger than us because we're talking. And I liked the discussion of balancing millions versus billions of lives um, Mm -hmm. and multiple worlds and stuff like that. I liked, but uh, like the whole thing of the Eternals is what they call hosts, which are the number of times that the Eternals have visited the planet Earth. You know, the first host when they came versus the fourth host is sort of when uh, they have the sleeping celestial that's supposed to wake and find out whether they're experiments, because that's what we are. We're basically an anthill mm-hmm. that they're screwing with, and whether their experiments worked. They made 100 deviants and 100 Eternals. Uh, each made by a different celestial. And then eventually the deviants multiplied like crazy and took over the planet. And so the Eternals needed to ask the celestials for help and it rebalanced. And and then you have all of these wars within the Eternals, which is very Game of Thronesy, where like they just can't get along and keep having wars. And then that's how you get people on uh, the, the planet Uranus. That's how you get the Titans, which results in Thanos being born because he's the son of an Eternal. Um, you know, like, I feel like there was such a rich tapestry there of Game of Thrones like proportion. And I wonder if because they tried doing a Game of Thrones type thing with the, uh, inhumans that they thought maybe they couldn't do it again. Yeah. I just, I think, I just think whoever decided what perspective this movie should have been from goofed like they they went one direction where i think it would have been more effective in another i think if you if you used if this was a dane whitman movie which is hard to i i understand why they that doesn't immediately cross the creator's minds because it's not it's an eternals movie but if you use him as that perspective character now all the stuff that you need to know is explained to this character yeah you know you Or you, or you do you do what neil gaiman did and you start out with characters that don't know who they are. And yes. so that that was because that's how he wrote it. He's like, I need a window into this world. So these characters will have their mind. Wi- it was Sprite that did it. Sprite wiped everybody's mind so that they could live peaceful lives for a change. And then, um, you know, slowly they come to discover who they really are. Mm-hmm. Because they have to, because stuff's a brewing. Yeah, but but that gives you I, I agree, that gives you the point of entry. Because yeah. instead we have that the celestials kind of are and aren't the bad guys. Icarus kind of isn't isn't a bad guy. Uh the deviants don't make a ton of sense to me. And then you no. have the character of Crow, Bill Skarsgard's character, who is the evolving uh deviant. Because mm-hmm. normally the deviants are just all like they're they're human like, you know, yeah. they're uh but here they're special effects <laughs> there are right. all the special effects that can do whatever you want it to um and then i liked the idea of them evolving but the the suggestion that they've been around as long as they have and have not been able to evolve past you know weird cougar things felt weird well, i think the reason why they designed that is i think that in one of the upcoming eternal um movies dane whitman's going to get a deviant as a mount I, oh, as I geez. think what's going to happen. His because Pegasus. You, yeah. Cause if you look at like his Pegasus is not like Valkyrie's Pegasus. Right. It's, it's a, it's a creature. It's not even like, 
sometimes it's not even drawn as a horse. And, and I think that's what you're going to end up doing because if you look at the designs, the characters feel very similar. Um, so I think that's why they designed it that way, or at least that was the, the inspiration for the character design on that is, is this Dane Whitman black Knight. So speed. even with the same take, would this have been better? Had it been a Disney plus show with a small understanding that that means a smaller budget as well? Yes, I think it would be like, as you're putting it that way, I think, yes, it would have been because it would have given us more time to get to know the characters. It would have had a little bit more of that serial soap opera effect um, that game of Thrones had. And I think, I think they just needed to kind of pick and choose what they needed to accomplish with this. I don't think that they needed, like, I feel like Thana going crazy and kicking everybody's ass is a second movie issue. I agree completely. I agree completely. There were so many movies in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the inclusion of, of Karun, of Klingo having sort of his human buddy along the whole time, which again was like second human brought in to experience things firsthand, but they didn't really use him for that. Right. He's just there for additional uh, comic relief, even though we already had like Kingo himself was comic relief and Gilgamesh was comic relief. He's, he's like the bus driver in the second suicide squad movie. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. He's still here. Like I, I did not like the character at all. Oh, okay. I I didn't, I didn't think he added anything to the, I, I mean, again, they needed a human perspective, but this character was so Goofy, but not funny. Okay. He, he he was very Jar Jar Binks. It's just like, hey, he has another camera again. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's it was it was silly without being good. It wasn't good silly. It was just kind of silly and there and and the fact that he's so completely unfappable. Yeah, flappable. That, yes, with an L. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. It's still early and I'm very tired. <laughs> I mean, your mileage may vary on whether he's fappable, but uh, yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I do not, I do not believe he is. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's like a nice guy. Yes. He seems like a very nice guy. Uh, yeah. Over, overall, I just, it, there's just, a, I didn't, I didn't see the stream of consciousness that was, or was stream of consciousness. And I didn't see the thread that was pushing us through the movie. Like it was there and I got it. I understood it because, you know, I've, I've watched enough movies. I see what they're trying to do. I just don't know how successful they were with it. I feel like if you had given me a, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, good God, 10. There are, there are 10 eternals. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you have Dane Whitman, Karun, Crow, and some of these other side characters. So maybe you give me an eight episode Disney Plus show. Every episode is getting the band back together, introducing one of the characters. Then give me the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would you know? agree, I would agree with that. That would because, be so much better. Because absolutely, I think I think Karun is a fun character, but then make him part of that episode with Kingo because you're basically making Karun into a a Wong sort of character. Mm-hmm. Right for Kingo, which is great, but Doctor Strange doesn't have nine other Doctor Stranges around him to contend with screen time. But also, 
Wong contributes to both the plot, yes, and the action. That's very true. And, yes, and but in in terms of the sidekick comic relief, when your main character already is kind of comic relief and pithy mm-hmm. and making jokes, in terms of scripting, you know, I feel like. It's very much that, except obviously Wong likes to to give Doctor Strange shit where Karun doesn't. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, I think think there was, I think there's potential that that character could have been, could have worked if the movie was different. And with the direction that the movie was was presented, it it just, it was too much. And, you know, even thinking about it, give me a four episode thing, Two, two characters per episode. And give each character just a solid twenty minutes for us to get to know them. Because mm-hmm. I mean, and, I I thought it was cool to have Makari there. I I and I love the character in the comics. I I got nothing from Makari. I, I have no connection to Makari whatsoever. Exactly. You know. And with Sprite, you very much get a Claudia from Interview with the Vampire thing. I'm a kid forever. Why would you do this to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that makes sense. And then your story can be them dealing with Crow and the idea of deviance evolving or while also dealing with the whatever host this would be in their end. I mean, and then it's also the like a thing that comes out of the center of the earth and explodes the earth upon coming out. But then when it came out of the earth, it, <laughs> it didn't do anything like, That's no, what like my, literally, my, my literally sense. nothing, literally nothing to the earth. By having a thing explode out of the, the Earth's core, which is an idea from, I don't know that that idea is necessarily um, in the Eternals comics. There is the sleeping celestial that's like under Central Park or something like that. And then mm-hmm. they managed to put it to sleep, but only for like a century. And then it will decide whether the planet is worth saving. Uh, but in the Earth X comics, which I love the twist you find out that the reason superheroes exist, the reason that humanity has the ability, the aptitude to gain superpowers through radiation, through mutation, through whatever, was programmed into them by the Celestials in order to protect the Celestial Egg within the planet. Mm -hmm. Knowing that all sorts of forces might possibly come and try to destroy the Earth, you know, so all your alien invasions and everything else, And they're like, so in order to protect the planet, they gave humanity the ability where eventually they were all going to have superpowers. And that's the plot of Earth X is what if everybody on Earth had superpowers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, being a a super, being a mutant was not, basically, it's the, the homo superior being realized. Yeah, but then but it gives a, that. but it gives that purpose to it and why. Yeah. Yeah. Um which I found fascinating. And then it it involves Galactus and you find out Galactus doesn't really just destroy and eat planets, he consumes celestials. Mm-hmm. So he's which there to so try. makes so much more sense for that character. It's coo- and it's such a cool thing. And then it mm-hmm. it incorporates Franklin Richards um and his reality warping but like it's a good to me anyway it was a good story and i would have liked to have seen more of that and more of the celestials cuz this was very much trying to do a cosmic level story on earth mhm and that's hard right because you're trying to make a grounded story with relatable characters while at the same time dealing with these massive again existential crises but we don't really spend a whole lot of time on them outside of them arguing and icarus 
maybe being right. Like you don't get from Icarus, right? You don't get a, a Killmonger vibe. No. You don't get the maybe Killmonger's right. Maybe Magneto is right. Maybe, you know, maybe Thanos is right on some level. Like that discussion, I don't think is ever going to happen with this film, even though philosophically, Icarus may be right because he's right. saying, this is our purpose. This is what we're here for. We've been doing this for millennia. That's how the universe grows. And by doing this, these 6 billion people, 8 billion people, whatever we have on the planet now, you know, are going to die. But in doing so, like trillions, like we're going to result in billions of planets being created. Right. And it's a cycle of life and death. These people are just going to die sooner than they would have normally. Like that could have been such a heavier part of this film. And it could have been a much more cerebral film with these huge action set pieces still, which would have been an interesting mix. Yeah, if they if they had pushed that a little bit more, then you you can see the struggle of the character. It was very hard because it the way it was presented, it was very much like I'm being the good soldier. This is what I'm supposed to do, as opposed to really pushing the. Do you realize how many people you're not going? I mean, I think I think uh, Kingo came uh, was that was kind of his whole stance a little bit more than it was Icarus's. I feel like Icarus was more. We're supposed to do this. This is our job. We're going to do our job. Right. But um, if they push that, I think you're right. If they had pushed that idea a little bit more as the central. Um, it's kind of this like the, pro-life, the unborn, protect the unborn over the, you know what I mean? Exist- like yeah, they, Protect the unborn over the existing. Yeah. Like my God, like they really could have leaned into it, but then it's Marvel and it's Disney. And I don't think they wanted to get that into the clear analogy there of that, of that argument. Right. I also think, I mean, this is some people might argue with me, but I feel like this is the most star studded cast that they've had in any of their movies that Mm. came into the movie with like big names, because I feel like a lot of people who have been in previous movies, you know who they are, but they aren't, they aren't an Angelina Jolie. And that was very much them thinking, like, we don't think we can do – it's not going to be another fun romp like Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. So, we need to come up with something to get people to watch a more serious film, and that's casting, you know, higher tier actors. Yeah. And and so, I think that they – I think that's evidenced by – I think that's evidence of we're not quite sure that this is going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're so going to throw I, these people in there to make sure that at least we get people in there and hopefully we'll be able to entice them into a second movie. Yeah. So in the end, very strong cast, mixed execution. Mm-hmm. Um, be- before we wrap up, I have one more question for you, though, because it's something that I realized while while doing my own review of this. Uh, Pip the Troll. Mm-hmm. Super deep cuts, but a Jim Starlin character, very much connected to the Infinity, uh, well, gems, but stones, I guess, in mm-hmm. the MCU, very much connected with Adam Warlock and with Thanos, appears in almost every single one of Starlin's Marvel cosmic things, which is Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, Infinity Crusade, Infinity Siblings, Infinity Finale, like all of his yeah, Infinity yeah, stuff. Yeah. Pip the Troll is a central character in all of that. Voiced by Patton Oswald. Mm-hmm. I think he should have been voiced by Seth Rogen. Yes. And uh, okay, I didn't because when I when I heard Patton Oswald come out of Pip the Troll, I was like, I get it, 
But no, because Pip the Troll is a constantly drinking, cigar-smoking guy, and Patton Oswald's voice is, I think, too high for that. Yes, no, I completely agree. I was like, oh, it's cool, because I like Patton Oswald. I think he's a cool guy. But yeah. no, I, I I I agree. I completely agree with that casting. <laughs> I completely okay. agree with you. You are not wrong. There is one other thing I would like to um, talk about before we we wrap up, and that is the character of Fastos being gay and us getting our first gay kiss in a Marvel movie. Sure, as a straight white cis man, it didn't bother me one bit. It just seemed like a natural part of the film, which I think is what it was supposed to be. Right, and I'm so glad that it's uh, – do I wish it was this character in this movie? Maybe not, but I'm glad that it happened, and I'm glad that it – you know, I don't think it's caused so much, like, reaction. Although, I guess that they didn't take it out of um, – like, it was a big thing that they were going to put the movie in Middle East market, Middle Eastern markets, and some of them wouldn't take it unless they took out the, the kiss, and Disney said, nope. Good. Fuck them. Yeah, Exactly. So, yeah. So, I think that that is an exciting milestone for Marvel. This wasn't a bad movie. Like, it, no, we're, and that's the we're, last thing. The last thing is like, if some, if you, every Marvel movie will naturally be compared to the rest of them and to its place in the greater tapestry, but we're coming to a point where there's so much Marvel coming at you, it's going to start turning into like Marvel Comics where you don't read every single comic book that comes out every month. You can kind of decide which lane you want to stay in or mm-hmm. none jump in and jump out and they're going to try and make it accessible, which then means that each film and each story, each series should also be judged solely on its own merits and on its own merits. If this movie existed in a void and they had never made a Marvel movie before it, I think it would have been an enjoyable film. It just would have felt very compact. You would have expected like a kid's cartoon to come out of it that would explore the characters more. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And I think I, I like, I'm, I am really looking forward to seeing where the, like, I don't know where in the hell they're going with Star Fox. Like, am I excited that this really random character who is always a little bit like, what is he up to? Cause I don't feel like he's, um, he's perfect for guardians. He's, he's perfect, perfect for perfect for guardians. And he's going to be perfect for Thor three. Do you think if it's he's called, be if it? it's called, if it's called Love and Thunder, and you have a character uh, whose superpower is being so attractive and charming that no one can resist him, which like they're going to have to play that real careful. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I just hope he stays cosmic. I don't. I don't want to see. If you want to do your Avengers thing at some point, fine. But like, I don't want to see Star Fox and Hawkeye. You know what I mean? Oh, see, I'm I'm exactly the opposite way. Like I want I want you like I want you to throw all of these characters together and just see who bounces off of each other. Because I don't think it's I think I think the reason why we got Falcon and the Winter Soldier is because Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have such great chemistry on screen together. Sure, I, but I, they're also on the same level. Right. But but you you've got these ridiculous like you you've got a, a world where you've got Thor and Hawkeye on the same team 
Sure. I, I love I love that stuff because because there are those those jokes where Hawkeye is the least Avenger, but then does something cool and it's kind of like, okay, that was impressive. You know, it, it's it's that that varying degrees of power. It's the character that's important. It's not necessarily what their character can do. So you want to throw Star Fox in with, you know, <laughs> you want to throw him in with with Winter Soldier? I am down for that. Like I, that would be so much fun. Like the the reactions of these characters would have with each other. Um, fair so enough. I, yeah, fair enough. I'll give it to you. I mean, they do it to me. I want the crossovers to be big and rare versus the every eighteen months you get a crossover event in the comic books that halts every other storyline. Oh yeah, no, 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 no! I don't want that. I, mean, I, I want it. I want it to build to another Endgame type movie where we we then throw these people all together, and you end up with, um, you know, these amazing interactions between Thor and and Rocket that you're like this. This was never a pairing that I would have ever thought, but it would works. have worked. But it works. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you for for joining. Your final your final thought for Eternals worth going to see, but could have been better. Watch it on Disney Plus. <laughs> yes, I think that's a that's a good way to good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, any shout outs for this week? Um, yeah, I'm going to shout out to all my fellow Ghostbusters out there. Then I'm excited to to know that your your friend is also because I want to say, oh, what group is that? Because it's scary when you find out and by scare, I mean thrilling when you find out just how many of us exist all over the world. Like for me, I started doing like Harry Potter costumes for kids events and stuff like that. But finding mm-hmm. out there's um, I mean, there's a documentary called ghost heads, which touches on it a bit, but like, yeah, I, you know, all week long I was seeing posts from ghostbusters, Germany and ghostbusters, Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. And, and all like seven Ghostbuster groups in the UK. And here in Minnesota, there's at least five. Wow. Like, yeah, and, I'm, and no, I hope it's from two people, a husband and wife team to 30 odd people on, on one of these, what they call franchises. Um, and it's just, it's a fun community to be, to be a part of when they're not being shitty about the 2016 film. Yes, and I don't think he's. I don't think he's one of those. I, I don't no, think no. he likes the film at all. But I don't think he's one of those. Um, but yeah, uh, it'll be fun to like. Uh, hopefully, that is what we will be doing next week. Um, my shout out is for the cast of can't, "You Can't Take It With You" at iPoly High School. Nice. Um, I was very proud of them. They did a great job. Uh, it was good to see everybody and and to reconnect. So that's my little shout out for this week. And teachers, go hug a teacher. Yes, go hug your teacher, friends, everyone. We need it. We're so tired. <laughs> like, we are so tired. Um, all right. For half a century shall Arashem stand, his unfathomable mind reaching, gathering impressions from an entire planet of living beings, as well as the music in this episode by Ben Sound of bensound.com, used under a Creative Commons license. Arshem continues to assimilate them, pond them. That should be ponder. Sorry, that was that was ponder them, and finally he shall pass his irrevocable verdict: life 
or death for the geek to geek network, which you can explore by checking out other geek to geek shows, the geek to geek podcast, tea time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney forever. You can't stop me loving K-pop, the Nerdberg review, JRPGs and me, Dragon Quest FM as the dice roll, maybe mating habits of the modern geek farming simulated and sometimes Rob. Also check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J, Bamashox, Troidal Power, Geen, and I feel like we have a new one. Do you we know do. who the new one is? I don't. <laughs> I saw the post. I saw the post in the in the staff chat and I said welcome, but it's yeah, I'm terrible at keeping up with the goings on in the network. All I know is yes, we have more streamers. There's another streamer out there. I will try and get her name on there by next week uh make sure to join us in slack or discord where you can chat with us in real time thank you to everybody who keeps our slack going because i love i love i feel like the geek to geek or the geek Geektitude slack is the is the is the slack channel to be in if you're going to yes. be on slack everybody else uh, is on discord in various channels but slack is kept alive solely by the geek to check Yes. Uh, also, check out our. Oh, I did that one. Yet on, uh, yet on all those many world words where the celestials have conducted. I'm, I'm assuming that's, that's world. worlds. Yeah, yeah two. We're clicking it again. Yet on all those many worlds where the celestials have conducted their life experience experiments, never has a race proven itself deserving enough to survive. Thus, Arshem decrees have ever been to find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcasters out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com or just join with your fellow Eternals to create a Unimind. We didn't even talk we, about the Unimind. We didn't even talk time. about the Unimind. That's a whole thing. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, uh, Ray, Jesus, I need to take a nap. Rob, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on most social media and social media at Ray Vargas three, or you can find my artwork uh, <laughs> online. Ray Vargas three. I wish his artwork is at, and seriously, if people have not looked, his artwork is phenomenal. I. I'm very jealous of um, his skill and talent because it starts maybe with talent, but it's certainly a skill that's built up over time. It's really good. Um, yeah, I have my own podcast and sometimes Rob, I'm going to try to get back and do it uh, a bit more since I was moving over the last several months and uh, I'm busy. I didn't put out as many episodes, but there's a, there's a few newer episodes in the last couple of weeks. And then uh, it comes out sometimes, which is the whole point of it. Otherwise you can find me on Twitter at Noby. That's K N O W B Y. Or you can usually find me popping in and out of the Geektitude Slack or on the geek to geek Discord. We have a comics media channel, uh, which is the only channel out of all of them that I actually get notifications for. Nice. Because I figured there should be some place where I actually do my best to keep up. Yeah, I, like <laughs> Discord is such a vast multiverse. <laughs> yes, yes it you is. just have to pick and choose. There's no way a human person can keep up with every channel that is in that Discord. It's a no, little, but I love that. I love, I love how much the the network has grown to the point where there's no way I can keep track of what's going on. Uh, to me, yeah. that's the greatest thing ever. Yes, us old old timers can sit back and let the youngins uh, <laughs> figure it. it all out, That's it exactly. and then, and then a, uh, every once in a while, just weigh in on life and tell them yes. how things should be. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, sir. I, I think yeah. the plan is to have you back on next week, so um, I'm looking forward to that. I will do what I can to be here. Awesome. And until then, remember this week: keep it geek. <laughs>